Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. It is the Beast of the East podcast on the Believe Podcast Network and here right on Willis Digital Media. Um, I think somebody threw a golf ball and hit my uh, internet modem. That's probably you, Craig. <laughs> um, joining me is the man himself, Craig Ladd. What's up, Craig? Hello, Corey. How are you? By the way, on the, the promo there, I don't know if you can see that. The guy in the white hat looked eerily like Steve Spurrier. I don't it kind of guy that was kind of throwing back his head and kind of celebrating. Looked like Steve Spurrier. I think that was it probably the old was. ball coach at the Ole Miss game. Well, well, I, you know, I, I'm just uh, sitting here watching <laughs> in Tennessee for the first time in my life. Well, they called some good ball plays in that game, and that's what we did. So, yes, um, that was the case. But, man, uh, it, we got an action-packed show for you. Um, this show is brought to you by French's Man or mustard, I should say. French's mustard. Uh, if you need yes. some, just go to Newland Stadium. You'll find plenty of it on the field. So, um, bottle mustard right there and throwing there. it on the field. Yeah, there you go, right. man. That's that was that was an impressive launch too, uh, to get a bottle of mustard uh, to land on the field just perfectly like that. So, uh, but as you can tell, our chat is blazing. Our associate producer Jake Thomas, after a win, um, is in the chat. Uh, so we, we welcome everyone in the chat, Willis Digital Media, getting uh, landed some haymakers early, um, Kiffin derangement syndrome uh, from, from Guy Caldwell. So there's going to be plenty of Ole Miss Tennessee smack, and we'll get into that here in just a little bit. Well, we are actually presented by uh, betonline.ag, and we are back and better than ever, a new web interface for the start of the basketball season and more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Yes, they do play this sport where they have this round ball and try to get it through a hoop. Um, Kentucky fans are, are experts at that. Uh, Bet Online remind, remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season. Head to the new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BELIEVE50. That's B L E A V, the number 50, to receive your bonus. For basketball, football, baseball postseason, my Braves are up 2-0. Uh, NHL, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Bet online. That's where the game starts. So, 
Yeah, Kentucky is a basketball school again. Yes, they will go. Uh, what's scary is they have a really good chance of going 11 and 1. Um, <laughs> 56K. They do have, ATT does have fiber in our area. I don't know why it downgrades like this. Crazy. Um, works really good all day. And then all of a sudden I get here and it's like, hey, I'm not going to work. Um, but uh, let's start in Knoxville, the, uh, the Tennessee mess. Um, it was a mess indeed. It was a really good game marred by what was uh, an embarrassing situation for Tennessee fans. Uh, they still hate Lane Kiffin 12 years later. Don't get it. I'm not sure. Well, I, I understand I why, but I don't I don't get like it's been 12 years. It. It's not like he left there, Corey, and had won five national championships. He left after one year. What's what's the big deal? I, I don't get it. I, I didn't have a problem with it when it happened. The guy said he left for his dream job. Hey, if that's his dream job at USC, then leave. I don't blame him. I, I don't blame him a bit. I don't know. I, I still don't understand what the big deal is about it. I really don't. He, I, I'm not taking anything away from Lane Kiffin, but let's face it. You know, he got run out of, of run out of town by the Raiders. Uh, and, you know, USC pretty much same way. I mean, it wasn't like it was Saban who was leaving. I, I could get it if that was him, but I just don't understand the big deal. I, I really don't. Yeah, I, I don't either. It, it's it's the weirdest thing I've ever seen in my life. Like, they hate Lane Kiffin so bad. It's, uh, it, it's weird. It's just downright weird. And to throw – all kind of things at him uh, and at, you know, on the field, uh, even with a blown call, like the refs were bad. Yeah, I get that. But have you ever been so mad that you just wanted to launch things on the field? Well, it, here's the problem, Corey. These universities, they talk out of both sides of their mouth. They're going to condemn what happened, rightly so, in Knoxville on Saturday night. But in the other, on the other side of the mouth, they're saying, okay, keep drinking that beer, making that money for us, keep drinking that beer. Uh, to me, I mean, it's a recipe for disaster when you're selling alcohol, when you're selling beer to mm-hmm. college students at a football game. And like I said, seemingly for whatever reason, these universities cannot make enough money. And when you're condemning what happened in Knoxville out of one side of your mouth and then the other side, you're encouraging beer consumption so you can make more money. I I have a problem with that. Yeah, it's it's very, very, very double standardish and double edged sword or whatever, whatever those sayings are. But, yeah, I mean, you can't you can't expect to liquor up or, you know, fill college students with beer and expect nothing crazy to happen. I mean. Look at an NFL game years ago. Like, there's a reason why they give you plastic bottles and they take the they take the top uh, before they give it to you uh, because of what happened in Cleveland. Like, it, it's like alcohol. I get it. Everyone wants to get sauced before the game. I I understand that, but I mean, at some point you got to say, okay, we can't we can't have these issues, or you know, the next step. Okay, they get they got a hefty fine, but the next step now is going to be, you know, if something like this happens again, is to play in front of an empty stadium. And how much revenue do you lose off that? A ton if you're Tennessee, because it's a hundred and something thousand seat stadium. So, 
like they've got to get a control on this. And, and the first thing is to limit alcohol sales. You know, and, and I know that's a big money maker, but you're the University of Tennessee. You have plenty of money. Money should not be an issue. But um, it is uh, our chat is is blazing. Jake says, don't sleep on Bama basketball this year. Um, yeah, they're pretty good. Um, you can sleep on Georgia basketball, though. I'll, I'll, I'll let you do that. You can, you can sleep on them. Um, they might be. I don't know. They might be the worst team in the SEC. Uh, yeah, I, something to say about I, that. But, I, I wouldn't uh, go that far. <clears throat> yeah, well, we got four new starters. Like we lost everyone to the transfer portal. So, and we gained some other random people from the transfer portal. So, who knows? Um, Craig is the only only sane Tennessee fan. Jeb, we will see what he says on after dark. Yeah, that's you know, SEC officiating has been bad for several years. So, Jake, you could probably take SEC off of that and just say officiating has been bad for several years now. It's it's bad all over the place. So, we're not the only conference. This well, you know, to us. Joe Milton is the only person in Neyland not to throw something. This is what I've never understood. You've got guys out there older than me that's saying something, trying to run around with these super athletes. They can't do it. Can't do it. Can't keep up mm-hmm. with the game. It's too fast for them. They can't keep up with it. Mm-hmm. So you, what you're doing is, oh, we, we use these guys because they got great experience. Oh, well, so be it. But if you can't get to where you need to be to make the appropriate call, then what good does it do? Doesn't do any good. I mean, it's, you know, you, there's a human element to it. And, and your eyes can only process things so quickly. And you get these guys who have probably been trained one year or two years that, you know, especially these box guys, they're trying to they're trying to make fumble calls, holding calls, you know, all kind of stuff in, in live action. And yeah, they're going to miss a ton. It's 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 going to happen. Like, and they have replay in there, and sometimes replay doesn't even, you know, doesn't even get it right. And sometimes you can't see things on replay that, you know, especially in in, in that context. So uh, understand that with football right now, you're going to have to take some level of bad officiating and just, it is what it is. You got to overcome that. They had plenty of chances to win. They did, but. uh, I think, you know, on the play, you know, the, the play to Warren when it was fourth and 24, which I couldn't believe they went for. And, you know, I think if they would have ruled that a first down, I think it would have stayed a first down. Because I never saw a definitive angle as to where the ball was. Mm-hmm. I, like I said, I think if they'd have called it a first down, they'd have left it a first down. Yeah. I mean, challenging spots are very, very difficult unless you're on a unless you're on a 10 yard line or the goal line. Um Come on, guy. Yeah, I mean, you're not you're not <laughs> Colonel Steve Austin with your bionic eyesight. There was no definitive, I no definitive angle that I saw where you could say, "Okay, he was short," or "Okay, he made it." That's why I say, you know, if they would have called it a first down, it would have stayed a first down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever, whatever they ruled on the field in that scenario, that was going to be the case. Like there were several calls in the Georgia game where if they had ruled it the other way, it probably would have stayed because there was. Not definitive answer. When they say the call stands, it means, yeah, we couldn't tell. 
Right. <laughs> so we didn't want to, you know, we can't guess, which I can, I can live with that. I can live with that. I mean, I've obviously we probably down, you know, probably assume that he was short or, you know, whatever side of the fence, you know, if you're old Miss, you know, old Miss person, yeah, you got it. Or, uh, you know, Tennessee person, I was short or however it was, um, you know, whatever side of the fence you were, it was either short or he got it, uh, based on, you know, but the video evidence showed that we really don't know. And no matter how many times we watch it, we're never going to know. So, you know, just got to let those things go. I mean, officiating, you know, obviously it's not, you know, you just gotta, you just gotta overcome it. Um, and sometimes you do, and sometimes you don't. Tennessee will get a call somewhere down the road that you'll scratch your head and go, "Wow, okay, that was bad." So I mean, what goes around comes around, right? Right, Craig? Yeah, I mean, like I said, you know that that it, it just happened to, I guess, build up in that game. Uh, there were a few, you know, the the call of. Uh, Forward progress was stopped. Well, to me, there you know there was no forward progress wasn't even started. You know he had no forward progress. Period. He never went anywhere. So that to me is like, well, you've got to have forward progress in order to stop it. So I I didn't understand that call either. You know, I I get why they called it, but still, though, I mean, you, you didn't. There was no forward progress to stop. No, not at all. So, um, but let, let's get some other takeaways from that game, other than just the the bad officiating. We we know that is what it is. But you know, uh, again, you've got to you've got to recognize that Tennessee with Hendon Hooker, which he may not be available this week against Bama, they're actually playing like a viable football team. Um, they they are. They're playing a lot more together. They have a run game. Their tempo is really giving people problems. And I like, honestly, this is going to, this is going to kill me to say this because, you know, of all the stuff that's on the wall behind me. Um, but I, uh, I like the way Tennessee plays. I really do. Um, and, and I, and I like the way Ole Miss plays too. I thought it was a very entertaining game. I thought it was, you know, very back and forth. The drama was there, obviously, <laughs> but you know, you take away the you take away the two blown calls, and you take away the or I guess however you look at it, but um, you take away the two the two uh, official things, and you take away the the debris being launched from the stadium from the stands. This was still a very entertaining drama filled game. I mean, it had you on the edge of your seat the whole way, and you know it's one of those that I feel like you hate to see someone lose, but um, you know, Hooker has impressed me a lot. Tyon Evans is outstanding. Uh, Javon, you know, their, their receivers are starting to come on. You know, I think Javante Payton is, is, you know, having a, have a pretty good year, but um, you know, as I pull up the stats, Craig, I mean, what, you know, outside of the the obvious stuff, what's what what else stood out to you? Well, I thought both defenses played very well. I mean, the over under was eighty two, and it, it didn't even it never sniffed the eighty two. So, I, as first half, Ole Miss played very well defensively. They they really did, and uh, you know, Tennessee got some stuff in the second half. And and to be quite honest, I thought Tennessee played well on defense also. Uh, you know, they couldn't stop Corral from running the ball, but 
they weren't getting Ole Miss wasn't getting the big chunk plays that they get passing the ball that I've seen coming into this game. So I thought really I thought both defenses played very well considering what everybody thought was as I said the over under was eighty two for a reason. Yeah, you look at the team stats, total yards. I mean, if you look at total yards, you're like, ooh, defenses didn't really come to play. But there's more. There's more in in, in play to this. Both teams got a turnover. Um, rushing, you know, there was 510 total yards for Ole Miss, 467 for for Tennessee. But it wasn't about the total accumulation of yards. It wasn't about you know the turnovers. It was about just the overall like getting stops when you needed them. Um, you know, situational football, things like that, that made those yards more empty yards than they usually are. Like you get 510 yards, your score, your score sheet should be in the mid to upper forties. It's kind of how I see it. So defense did have a, have a hand in bend don't break and letting those yard, letting a lot of those yards be empty yards. Like you have a team in baseball that has a whole bunch of hits, but they leave the they leave the bases loaded, you know, four out of the nine innings. They don't it doesn't really amount to much. You know what I mean? So to me, that's the biggest telling stats as you look at the yards compared to the points. And there's a big discrepancy there. They definitely undershot where they where you think they should be uh, as far as point totals go. And and Tennessee has a lot more depth. They're building some quality depth than, than they had at the beginning of the year. Uh Valus Jones, did I say that yep. right? And uh, Cedric Tillman are two receivers that really had a nice game. Uh, Tillman went for 84 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Jones had, I think, on seven catches, 94 yards. Uh, didn't have a touchdown, but he led he led the way as far as yards go. But um, just think, man, um, had Hinton Hooker been playing against Pitt, this might be a this might be a different ball club here. But um, you know, we'll we'll, we'll talk. We'll talk about uh, Bama, Tennessee uh, this week and, and whether or not Hooker is going to actually be available for that. But, uh, you know, that's just kind of what stood out to me is that, you know, Tennessee is playing better complementary football and for their style of play. That's I mean, and let's face it, uh, that was a good win for Ole Miss. Uh, despite what you want to say about Tennessee, uh, you know, you knew it was going to be the fan base was going to be rabid, didn't know they were going to break ignorance and throw a lot of things. But anyway, so they were coming into a very loud, raucous stadium. Uh, that's a good win from them uh, because they, they'll they be able to build on that uh, in the future. I don't know that they'll they'll be in a louder stadium the entire year than it was there. And, and you know, it had some effect on them. I think early it had some effect on them. You know, saw Corral talking to his offensive lineman. They, I think they looked a little dis- disorganized early on, but they, they quickly got into to rhythm and, and, and played well. And like I said, it's good win, good win for Ole Miss. Uh, you know, tip your hat to the, to the rebels. Uh, that's a good win for them. And, and, uh, you know, they can build on that. Absolutely, they can. And so now we're going to jump to the number one team in the country, uh, Georgia, hosting Kentucky, a, a game that had a lot of promise. But again, seeing the dogs dominate, the the Wildcats got a cosmetic touchdown there at the end. But uh, realistically, Will Levis outside of one drive did absolutely nothing. Uh, Wondell Robinson, 
outside of a few uh, a few catches, really didn't do much. Um, had a lot of short catches. Um, Chris Rodriguez really didn't do a whole lot. I'm gonna pull up their official stats here, um, but just, just again, another week, another team that couldn't handle Jordan Davis, and and uh, you know the play that was most telling uh, about how this game went for Kentucky is they had it. Uh, and this was right before this was preceding the the blocked field goal, um, which that was a play that told me that things weren't going well for Kentucky. But uh, the biggest play happened two plays before that on second down, where they got a second goal from the ten, and they set up they beautifully. I mean, they got Georgia right. They set up a screen. They had three offensive linemen for one linebacker, and that linebacker was Nicobe Dean. Uh, all they had to do was just get in his way. Um, Jake, I'll get to that in a, in a second. All they had to do was get in his way, and Chris Rodriguez walks into the end zone. But Hooker, or not Hooker, I'm, I'm still on Tennessee. Um, but uh, Nicobe Dean just slips all three of those blocks, just runs right by those guys, does a turn on a dime, and tackles Chris Rodriguez for no gain or even a lo- like a slight loss. Like all they had to do was just tap him. And Rodriguez walks in. That was the play that told me, "Wow, this this defense is ridiculous." They, you know, they get completely beat, and and Nicobe Dean just just bailed them out. And then they blocked the field goal two plays later, and that game was the game was over. Like Kavasi Smoke was your leading rusher, uh, five carries, fourteen yards. You had McLean who had four carries, twelve yards. Rodriguez. Seven carries, seven yards. Will Levis, 10 carries for 12 yards uh, for a grand total of 51 yards rushing. That's insane. Um, Passing, they had 192 yards. Um, How do I feel about them calling a timeout with three seconds left? I don't blame them. I would have done the same thing. I mean, you've got, as a coach, you've got to get some positive momentum in a game that's just been terrible for you uh, and a nightmare offensively because you're going up against that defense. If you can get a quick touchdown to end on a good note, I'm all for that. Uh, I don't blame him one bit. I would have done the same thing. Um, so that that's good. I, I'm not mad about that at all. And any Georgia fan that is mad about that has no idea what football really is about. I mean, that guy is getting paid a lot. He has scholarship players too. So he's got he's got a job to do, and he's got to do what's best for his team. And if that means call a timeout with three seconds left, so you can score a touchdown, that really doesn't mean much to the to the to the outcome of the game. But it means so much more outside of the outcome of this game. It gives them a little bit more confidence that they just drove down the length of the field. They've got to pay that off. So I don't blame I, I don't I don't blame that one bit. No, I don't either. I agree with you, Corey. You know, you got to look for some positives in that game because you you were thoroughly dominated, and you got to you know you want to come at it with some positives. Obviously, they're not into moral victories, but still, if you you know drive the ball down at the end of the game and score, that's something mm-hmm. you can build on. Yeah, absolutely. Um, anything else stand out to you there, Craig? Georgia, it just it, it just amazes me every time I watch them. I mean, they their defense, defensive line, they're constantly in the backfield. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it, they just they just disrupt everything that you try to do offensively because they can't be blocked. Uh, they're in the backfield the entire. They're in the backfield 
the entire game, and it just disrupts every. If you can't block the defensive line, then it just it, there's it, your offense is just null and void. Plus, another great thing about this, you know, this helps. They can they can pressure the quarterback with their front without having to send linebackers, without having to mm-hmm. and on a blitz situation or send corners or safeties or anything. So they can just sit back. And wait, yeah. because that that front line, it it has it, it pressures the quarterback enough. You don't have to do that. That that is such a huge luxury for a defense to be able to do. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you you know, you send blitzes because you want to, not because you have to, and that's that's a good thing to have. Keely Ringo finally gave up his first catch uh, on the year. <laughs> uh, he finally yielded that. He yielded a couple of them. Uh, to Wandell Robinson, but um, that was going to that was bound to happen. But you know, I, I was impressed with how Will Levis stood in there. Uh, dude took a beating, um, but I was impressed with how he stood in there. It, it seemed like the play calling was really good for Kentucky. Um, you know, I, I thought they had some good play designs. I thought they had some good things set up. They missed a couple of they missed a couple of passes here and there, um, but but I like the way they kind of flowed, and I, I know the result didn't really say that but you know you could you could tell what they were trying to do and, and the guys buy in and they understand what's going on so if you can at least see that then you know you have some confidence there so um do you think mark davis looks like simple jack from tropical tropic thunder <laughs> absolutely um so <laughs> that's hilarious <laughs> i don't know what that i don't know what brought that on but holy cow um but uh, Mark Davis, the owner of the Raiders, yes, he does. Um, so I think you know when you look at Georgia defensively, it's just freaking scary good. When you look at Georgia offensively, it's scary with the potential that they have with with the pieces they have still not in there. I mean, you're getting a true freshman tight end, four star from Napa, California, and Lad McConkey taking all your big plays. Great first name, by the way. Is that scary, Craig? Yeah, you know, this team, I was just thinking, this team reminds me, was it the 92 Alabama team that was so good defensively? Didn't have, you know, they weren't very – it was uh, Gene Stallings was coach when they won a national championship. I think it was 92, not sure. But it reminds me of that. You know, they've got players, you know, you got a quarterback that's not dynamic. He's no Matt Corral by any stretch. But he's efficient and he's not going to get you beat. And you don't really, I don't really, have, I do, again, I love the running backs that Georgia has, but they're not quote unquote superstars. So you're, you're playing with defense and your offense is efficient and you're going to win football games like that. And like I said, yeah. Uh, thank you very much, Jake. I, it does. It reminds me of that 92 Bama team. Yeah, there you go. It's a great comparison there. Um, but as, as we cruise through this uh, week seven recap, uh, we can't leave without making fun of Florida. Wow. <laughs> you you find a team that is trying desperately to look for anything to fire their head coach on Sunday, like a, a good old-fashioned ass-kicking at the hands of LSU, or at the hands of Florida, I mean, for LSU, would have done the trick. A twenty-point win would have done the trick at you know on you know at home, but you know I, 
surprised. There's a play. Here's hey Craig. Here's here's a super simple play that they couldn't stop. Circle the wagons game for Coach O. We're going to circle the wagons and win one for Coach O. I picked LSU and I was not surprised that they won the ball game. I just felt like. You know, it was one of those games where they were going to mm-hmm. circle away. And who knows? The team may have known before the game started that, hey, this is, you know, I've decided this is going to be like my last year. So win one for the Gipper. Now, yeah, old, I don't know about old, them old winning Mass, games yeah. the rest of the year, but, you know. There, yeah, there, there's there's no way. Um, <laughs> there's no – that team, I, I – you know, honestly, you have some some guys that are trying to get NIL deals and NFL draft stock, I think is what they're playing for at this point. Um, but for for uh for Ty Davis Price getting the uh breaking the rushing record, that's gotta look good on the old resume uh for uh, for Todd Grantham. No, I agree with you. Uh he had a great game and you know, Florida is just they just mystify me. You know, I you know, at the beginning of the year I didn't think they were they were gonna be the Florida team that we were used to seeing, and and they're not, to be quite honest. But they just wow, the the turnover, the interceptions they had, the turnovers in that game just Oh, it's brutal. Me, they just they just handed it to LSU. It was brutal. Like AR fifteen came in and had a, you know, was starting to have a good run at it, and then he throws two just baffling interceptions. Uh, Emory Jones, well, he is what we thought he was. He he's been doing that all year. Um, we were just waiting on 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 Richardson to get healthy at this point. Um, but my prediction was that Richardson was going to be the starting quarterback for the Georgia for 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 the matchup in Jacksonville, and, and that's looking like it's holding true. I think Steve uh, said that, and you may have said that too, Craig. But this Florida team being this bad. You know, I, it just doesn't seem like Mullen, to me, it seems like he wants to – he really desperately wants to have the same offense from last year. He knows he can't, but he so desperately wants to that he keeps jumping back and forth in that world where he run, he does the quarterback run game stuff and it's really successful. Then he starts trying to go with the uh, the, the Kyle Trask section of the playbook and it goes to – you know what? And you get what you get uh, this past Saturday. So he can't decide. Uh, Todd Grantham has a has a playbook that he hasn't even finished reading. That's um, so thick and complicated. Um, like the, the defense coordinator can't even understand his own playbook. That's how bad it is um, because that's how complicated and deep into the weeds it is. Um, so you have a defense that plays confused. They play slow. And they can't stop counter. Like, that's a problem. You can't stop counter. Where it's a jab step from the running back, you pull the guard, you pull an H, and you and you block everybody down. You circle those two guys through. One guy out, the other guy through. It's a pretty simple play. Power and counter. And I felt like, I felt like Florida did that all freaking game long. Right? And... It was baffling me. Like I watched that game going, like like all LSU had to do was just turn and hand the ball off. Like LSU didn't need to throw the ball. LSU got themselves in trouble when they started trying to throw the ball. They didn't need to throw the ball at all. <clears throat> well, yeah, I think Mullen's looking for a way out. 
Yeah, uh, you know, uh, like I said, I, I, he is not. Uh, there's no excuse for him not being able to recruit to Florida. Besides Texas, California, well, he's a, no he's a other. Weird, he's a weird dude. Yeah. Besides Texas and California, there's no other state that can compare to Florida when it comes to you know high school football talent. Hands down, it's those. And for you to be able to not be able to recruit to the state university, I find baffling. And because I tell you, there's just not much there. Uh, there's just not. They just don't have the skilled players that they've had in the past. That's insane. And it's insane that no colleges are ranked. And I knew that. I'd like to see that on papers. Um, so when you look at what he's just like, you just look at his personality. He's just, you know, and, and you know, all the old Miss and Mississippi State people say, Allen's a weird, weird dude. He's a weird guy. Um, he is very eager driven. Very, you know, just a, just an odd, odd. Bird. And when you, when you look at what he's what he's doing and how he kind of operates, the fact that you know Todd Grant is still on the coaching staff there is uh, is baffling. I think Todd Grantham is my internet service provider, by the way. Um, <laughs> so. uh, temperature dropped, and all of a sudden, signal just goes, yeah. yeah. So I think uh, I think Simple Jack. I think Simple Jack is running my internet right now. Um, yeah. So there you go. Uh, that's I about my take on Florida. On Vanderbilt, which once again snatched victory from uh, the jaws of uh, of defeat, I'll say. Well, a snatched defeat from the jaws of victory is what I'll say. There you uh, go. Was, uh, uh, you know, incredible. Uh, yeah. You know, you just, just, you just, I've never seen, I'm telling you that, it, you know, being in Nashville, I've seen a lot of bad football over at Dudley Field, and they just uh, continually, you know, this is the worst. Continually find ways to lose, you know. You know, ever since I really started, yeah. Ever since I I really started paying attention, I don't get it either. Yeah, I don't get it either. So, um, and ever since I started paying attention to SEC football, I've never seen Vandy this bad. Like this bad, like it, this is insane. I know they've probably been this bad before, but this is the worst. Like even in Vandy's worst years, record-wise, they've always been pesky. They've always played hard. They've always been competitive. They've never just got straight out dominated like this. I mean, you know, it's hard to say twenty-one twenty is hardly been, but when you're when you're Vanderbilt and you lose the way they lost, that's kind of that 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 is that. Um, and also, uh, if uh, if this were like the Alabama game, uh, I'm like Mississippi State, or my internet is Mississippi State, and uh, this uh, particular session is Bama. It's just killing me. Um, so, Windows 95 is Bama, and I'm, and I'm Mississippi State. There you go. Um, yeah, 12 to 10. 
Yeah, there's been several head scratching close games that they've uh, that they've lost to UGA, and uh, the one in 2016, Kirby's first year, uh, Zach Cunningham actually single handedly beat Georgia. Uh, they won like 16 10 or something like that. They had Nick Chubb, um, and it was like fourth and one, and instead they gave it to Isaiah McKenzie, uh, who weighs like 115 pounds. Still playing in the NFL, and it, but they gave it to him on a jet sweep, and you have Nick Chubb. Wow, James <laughs> Nick Chubb against Vandy from then to now. Yeah, yeah, I know, right? So yes, uh, Zach Cunningham had like 52 tackles that game. I think he made every tackle. I think he, I think he threw a touchdown to himself. Like I, I I'm not really, I'm not really. Uh, <laughs> I'm not too far. I'm not. There's not a whole lot of hyperbole in that. But yeah, Vandy is, yeah, it's, it's brutal. So, on that note, let's move to week eight. Yeah, right. Shall we? <laughs> um, not not many contests here in the uh, in the Eastern Division. Actually, week seven, the final score, A uh, and M just thrashed Missouri. Don't really need to get into that. Missouri sucks. We all know that. Uh, thank, thank for, thankfully for South Carolina and Vandy, they're not going to be the worst team in the East. So. There you go. Uh, not many contests here. Uh, Mississippi State plays Vandy, which that might be the only game Mississippi State will ever run the score up on somebody. Uh, Tennessee plays Bama. And South Carolina plays Texas A&M. That's an interesting contest. It's at Kyle Field, but it's one of those where if Texas A&M sleeps, I don't know, crazy, crazier things have happened. Or they're going to have to. Um, but, uh, you know. I mean, physically not show yeah, that's up. That's true. To the game, yeah, that's true. <laughs> that, that's, that's true to as well. They're gonna have to forfeit. <laughs> they're, gonna, they're gonna have to forfeit. Uh, yes, but uh, Tennessee, Bama, like this game is interesting. Um, what, what are we hearing on Hooker? I know it's Monday night, and it's probably. Um, but what, what are we hearing on Hooker? I, you know, I, I don't think that you know they've been kind of quiet about it. Uh, don't don't really know at this moment. Uh, you know, it, I got a feeling it's probably going to be. They may come out later in the uh, in the week. I highly doubt it. I think it'll be a game time decision, and they won't make a decision until you know the pregame. At, at, uh, at this or, point, or let it be known. I'll say that. There you go. That's probably a better way to put it. But at this point, Craig, if Hooker can't go, do you go to Harrison Bailey? No. Like you can't go to Joe Bilton. I would go to Joe Milton again before I'd go to Harrison Bailey because because this offense, the quarterback running is a big part of it. Bailey, I could probably outrun him. That's not saying, I, you know, I'm 58 years old and I got a big belly. So if I can outrun him, that's pretty bad. So, you know, yeah. I, I, it, it's going to be Milton. There's no doubt it won't be, will not be Bailey. Uh, well, it, 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 if, if it's Milton, um, the easiest one would be to take the over, and Bama might cover that themselves. If it's Milton, yeah. Milton, there's, there's, there's no, there is no way Milton's going to be able, like, be able to do anything on this offense against this defense. I mean, Hooker was going to have a hard time, honestly, but there, there's no way. <laughs> There is no way. Joe Milton said the PA said not to throw anything anymore. 
exactly right. That, that, that might be the best one. Three seconds, he takes off running with the ball. And then Unbelievable. Just, just casually yeah, runs run out of bounds. Three seconds to go. Yeah. I'm going to run. Oh, okay. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. That's, that's, that's good step out of bounds. There's no time there. left. Good football that's awareness. Football awareness. I can, you know, uh, I can't believe Jim Harbaugh got rid of that high football IQ. <laughs> uh, Je- Jeb's, Je- Jeb's feeding him. Don't, don't give away your secrets. Yeah, you make me well, think you're funny, Steve. I think, it, I think too. I think they really could use uh, Tyon Evans to be back. Um, I think that you know, not that saying that Small didn't do a good job, but. Evans is much bigger. Uh, he brings more of a home run threat than Small does. So I, I think it'd be big. It's big to get him back for this game if he's able to go. Yeah, absolutely. And he's got he's got to be. But uh, Cassie, to answer your question, I think that light was just a little too bright. It was in my eyes. I was having a squint. Um, but yeah, this yeah, you know, I don't know. He's got to be smarter than that. But yeah. Um, I can't wait to see the Georgia Florida game either. That might be a name your score type game, but you know, back to this one. You know, for 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 Alabama, I, I think just being able to just being able to stymie Tennessee's offense really just disrupt the tempo of what they're trying to do, make it, make it a choppier game. And you know, w- when you have these tempo teams, you've got to make games ugly and choppy. You know, Alabama did it to to Ole Miss after that first drive, made it ugly and choppy, and Ole Miss couldn't get in the rhythm, and that's what what resulted in that big score. For Tennessee, you know, Pitt disrupted their rhythm at times. They couldn't they couldn't get into a groove, and they lost that game. You know, Florida disrupted their rhythm, and also they hurt Hendon Hooker. So, um, and they had Joe Milton in there, um. But uh, Pitt or Clemson? Ooh, ooh, yeah, they do play each other. Uh, DJ DJ Ukulele is broken. That's an interesting deal. But yeah, so so going back to Tennessee, like I think you know for them, if they want, they're they're gonna have to find some way to get Tyon Evans involved in this ball game in a big way. And defensively, they have to they have to get hurries. They have to they have to get knockdowns, a couple sacks. They they really really need some havoc plays. They really need some of their some of their blitzes and pressures to get home on Bryce Young. If they can get Bryce Young, they need they need to flip on that A and M tape and say, okay, besides better recruiting, what can we do that Texas A and M did to disrupt Alabama? And Part of that is taking advantage of still a young Bryce, Bryce Young quarterback, you know, situation. You know, he's still he's still very new to the position, and there's going to be some things with that that you're going to get. And so there you go. Now I think a key I think for Keith for Tennessee is they need to need to stop Alabama from running the ball. I, I won't say stop, but slow them down some. They they can't afford to let uh, Alabama just gouge them uh, with the run game. And, uh, you know, if that happens, it will be – it could get ugly uh, because they will just shove it down their throat. And if they can't stop it, you know, then, you know, 
it, it will be ugly. Uh, they'll never get the ball. You know, if, if your offense is same similar similar situations as they did with Ole Miss, you know, just ran mm-hmm. the ball and you know, Corral's not going to beat him uh, if he's sitting over the bench on his rear end. You know, he's not going to beat him. So that's what they did against Ole Miss. And I'm saying they they have a similar game plan against Tennessee. Yeah, they do. And and if they can get success in that uh, creatively, they're going to have to figure out different ways because they're not going to just be able to run inside zone right up the right up the ass of the center. But um, they're going to have to figure out again screens, things that that move the chains, um, and then just keep Bam off the field. Jamison Williams is he is one of my favorite receivers to watch. That dude is explosive. Uh, Brian Robinson is a back that he runs hard, man. Uh, he, he's like that. You know, I know Bama fans know this. I know Bama fans know him. But, like, if I were to go say Brian Robinson uh, just around, people are not going to have any clue who that is. Like, Najee Harris, everybody know who Najee Harris was. You know, but you look at a mock draft, you see Brian Robinson. Who is that? Like, why? And then, then you watch him play, and you're like, oh, yeah, that's why. Like he's like that's that's who he is to me, and he is extremely valuable because as his Alabama offense goes, he goes and vice versa, uh, and and he kind of he's kind of the the catalyst for that. if he's going, this offense is going to be highly explosive and productive. Uh, if not, that play sheet shrink to about two lines for Bill O'Brien, and he's not sure which one to pick. He gets into trade DeAndre Hopkins panic mode type mindset. Um, if Robinson's not running well, so for Tennessee, they're going to have to disrupt that. They're going to have to get him. They're going to have to get him. Uh, Cassidy, good night. Roll, uh, roll tide. Um, so I, uh, you know, I, I think for that, that was that was brutal. Uh, so yeah, Roy Dill Williams. Okay, he's somebody else. So, um. But yeah, I mean, you know, Bama can run the ball. They, they can, they'll be able to get it to John Manchin, and they'll be able to get it to Jameson Williams, and they'll have some big plays. If Tennessee wants any chance at winning this game, which right now, that's just kind of where both teams are. If Tennessee wants a chance at winning this game, which they're playing a lot better than they have in years past, not saying that they're they're a lock for uh, putting Alabama up alert by any stretch, but they can make this thing interesting. Disrupt the tempo, hit Bryce Young, and run the football. And, and and that's how you beat Alabama. Or that's how you have a chance. Well, as a Tennessee fan to going up against Alabama, I, I feel better about not saying they're going to win because I don't think they will, but I feel better about them being able to hang with Alabama this year than I have in quite some time. And I, when I mean hang, they lose by 17 points. You know, I, I'll just say they're, they'll be in the game. How's that? It won't be just a complete, total blowout. I feel better about it. It could end up that way. But I, I feel better about the fact that it will not be that way this year. Exactly. They're going to have to, as Steve said, they're going to have to channel Steven Garcia. Yeah, they're they're going to have to channel Johnny Manziel because that's – Hooker's more of a runner than than that, but um, so yeah, I, I think for for 
again, like most teams you get bad with, they're going to have to play perfectly. And that's just going to have to be what it is. And, you know, that's what it is right now. Tennessee's not there yet. They will soon be there. Heupel is doing a good job. We'll see how he does recruiting-wise, but it seems like he's off to a good start there, too. So when we get to more of the offseason stuff, we will talk about Tennessee recruiting. So um, let's, uh, you know, very briefly, uh, I don't want to spend a whole lot of time uh, before we wrap up the show, talking about South Carolina A&M again. Uh, you know, is Luke Doty going down um, a good thing for you know, you never want to say is somebody getting injured a good thing, but you know that natural transition change at quarterback is that going to be a good thing for, for South Carolina? Is is this change positive or is it kind of South Carolina is who they are right now, and until they recruit a better quarterback, they're just going to be what they are. Well, you know, I, I thought. Well, I'll say this: I, I just don't. I, he'll probably start. Uh, on Saturday, mm-hmm. just based on the last drive of the game. Uh, but is he the, you know, he's had his opportunity. He wasn't the answer. Uh, Doty's had his, you know, it, it's just been back and forth. It's obvious that the the quarterback position is uh, a serious need for South Carolina because neither one of those guys are what I would deem as Paging Spencer Rattler. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. I just don't. I, I don't deem either one of those guys as SEC quality uh, quarterbacks. And that's probably whether a one-point game come back from behind victory over Vanderbilt. Probably why they're in that situation. So, uh, unless something really weird happens, which is certainly not off the table, I have a hard time believing this game. You know, a and favored by 21. I have a hard time believing a and not going to cover that spread. I agree with you. I agree 100% with that. Uh, uh, that's why I said I think the only way South Carolina wins this game is if, you know, A&M just physically does not show up for the game. I mean, just, you know, there's nobody on the sideline for A&M. <laughs> it's a forfeit. I, that's the only way. I, there's no way they're going to beat. A&M. No way. Yeah. Especially at Kyle Field, there's just right. not going to happen. Right. Isaiah Spiller's going to have a huge, huge, huge game. Um, yeah, Zeb's dead. Georgia killed him. Um, well, you talk about that I, South Carolina. Vanderbilt outplayed them, you know, 59 minutes of the game. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's why that's why we're saying what we're saying. You know, yeah. unless something really weird happens like and in late, you know, they're beyond the whatever the threshold is that you have to wait uh for a team to show up before you cancel the game and honor a forfeit. That's about the only chance I think South Carolina has of winning. Unless unless Texas AM's uh three deep all get injured. And they're playing with uh, walk-ons. Then we might talk about South Carolina. Like a And going to have to be down to their sixth running back. They're going to have to be like pulling people out of the stands to play quarterback. Uh, Which they've already pulled guys out of the coach's office, and that didn't true. work. So they're going to have this to pull true. people from the band. Probably. Very true. So. To me, there's not really much here. 
for South Carolina. They're not. I mean, I, I'm going to go ahead and ruin the surprise on the SEC after dark, but I'm I'm going to I'm going to pick uh, A&M to cover this by mile. Um, this can be one of those like 42 to three type games. No, I agree with you. I, I, it's, it's kind of I, I, I take I lay the points and with A and M, no and no hesitation at all. How do we feel about Vandy uh, against Mississippi State? Is is this one of those where Mississippi State's just weird enough to where they could possibly be in a competitive game with Vandy? Did Vandy show us enough that maybe they can compete with somebody? And Mississippi State might be that somebody, or you know, how do we feel about this game? No, I agree with you. I think that to Vanderbilt, uh, you know, I, it wouldn't surprise me. Vanderbilt won this game, to be quite honest with you. I just think I think Mississippi State's reeling. Uh, and then you also have to look at you know how teams fare after playing Alabama. It's usually not very, not a very good result the following week. So they're they're coming in reeling a little bit. Of course, Vandy is too after the debacle of losing that South Carolina game. But I, I think you know, since I think this will be a year. tight game, and I would uh, listen. It would not surprise me if Vanderbilt won this game. The Mississippi State is favored by twenty-one points. I, I I'd take Vandy in this game. My rule says don't pick Vandy against no matter what the spread is, but I might have to break that rule. Yeah, this this is gonna t- this is one of those weird matchups. Yep, um, and it's at Vandy. Yep, and it is a home crowd home, advantage. Home crowd advantage for who? <laughs> Mississippi State. <laughs> I, you notice I didn't say anything. <laughs> yeah, home crowd I didn't advantage. Say which? <laughs> yeah. uh, Steve picked Vandy last week. Uh. What was South Carolina's favorite by eighteen last week? Is that what yeah. it was? Yeah. Uh and and they definitely covered that. Um yeah, against the spread. Now we know you didn't pick them to win because that would be ridiculous. Um, but they did do well against the spread yesterday. They finally they finally covered, didn't they? Yep. So that's good. Um, but yeah, so uh Pitt Clemson, let's go, let's go out of the league and we'll end there. Uh, Kenny Pickett, which a lot of people are saying could be ACC Player of the Year. Pitt has really – this this favors Tennessee, too. Uh, Oklahoma, hell yeah, it did. Good Lord. It looked like a completely different ball club. Um, so, Kenny Pickett could be uh, – end up could be ACC Player of the Year. Um, this is a big game for them against Clemson. I don't know what it does divisionally for them. I, I guess it would – if they beat Clemson, it will come down to a Pitt-NC State uh, matchup. Or to be honest with you, I don't know my ACC divisions. I, you know, I don't know who's in the leaders and legends, and you know the the Bobby Bowden division versus the Frank Beamer division, or however they break it up over there in the ACC. But um, I really went. I really think this Pitt team dedicated themselves to finding some offense because they definitely didn't have this a year ago with Kenny Pickett. They were very defensive oriented and just let's let's get to 17 so our defense can shut the other team down. Now they're scoring a lot of points. Um Pitt versus NC State for the ACC title, I think Wake Forest leads their division. Yes, they do. Um and so Pitt would probably lead the other one, right? 
I don't know. Somebody, yeah, look up the divisions, I guess. But this is, again, Pitt and NC State would be a very ACC uh, matchup there. But um, let's hope it doesn't yes. go head to head. The ACC, if it ends up that way, the ACC championship doesn't go head to head with the SEC championship. I'll probably be able to count the number of viewers on one hand for that game. It's all the parents of the players. Yes. <laughs> the two teams in the ACC. <laughs> and even then, some of them be like, yeah, no, Georgia Bama or Wake Forest versus Syracuse. Okay. Yeah. Syracuse not making it, but I had to get a little hyperbole in there. Um, so, like, is DJ Ungulale, is he broken? Or. Is he just, or do they just completely whiff on the valuation of him? Good question. Uh, you know, I, I, again, similar to Florida, you know, uh, Dabo is not, uh, it, it, he doesn't have a lot of weapons around him. You know, he's one of those quarterbacks that uh, at this point, he, he's not going to be able to, I guess, take his team on his shoulders and generate offense in various ways. He's not capable of doing that. And and Clemson does not have the dudes that they've had in the in the past to be able to overcome that. So, mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I just – like I said, I, they remind me of Florida. They just – they are just, uh, div, uh, I guess, devoid of – well, void of uh, offensive talent. Yeah, I mean, Travis Etienne is the apparently the the thing that held that team together. DJ Ungulale, to me, you know, you look for your quarterback to be that dude, right? Where he walks into the huddle and you know he's in charge, you know he's in total control, and you know, hey, we're in we're in a sticky situation. He's going to get us out of it. You know, we're backed up. Crowd's in a frenzy. We're backed up you know, on our own five, you know, the minus five, they've got 95 yards to go and but we're going to get out of it. Not, not, not DJ, not, not big Cinco. Um, he, he curls up into a shell. He just doesn't, he just ha- doesn't have that demeanor. Like he, when you, when you recruit, you've got to be able to see that. I know it's very easy for some of these guys to play high school football. Like for DJ Ogulele, I'm sure it wasn't overly difficult to play high school football. He did play at St. John Bosco, which they do play some good content. But still, guys like that, it, they don't like they don't really struggle all that much outwardly. But as a recruiter at somewhere like Clemson, you've got to be able to look beyond that and say, does you you know you got to be able to tell, you know, if this kid can be in an adverse situation. Um, and you look at it by sideline to mirror because you know he's perfect. He's going to throw. He's going to have interceptions. He's going to throw bad passes. When you look at Travis, when you look at Trevor Lawrence at Cartersville, yeah, he never lost a game um, from youth ball all the way up until he got to the NFL. But you could see, you could look at him and just see that he has this hit factor by the way he carries himself, by the way he interacts with people on the sideline when he's making a when he makes a mistake, you know. Just the way he just the way he goes about and handles his business. DJ Ungulale probably there's probably some red flags there that you didn't see. 
You know, I, I don't disagree with what you're what you're saying there. I think that's a very fair assessment, uh, Corey, of that. And uh, like I said, I just he's not the kind of quarterback that that's going to be able to generate offense and be able to carry your ball club. And if he can't do no that, you know, yeah, then you got to have weapons around him, and they just do not have weapons this year. So put a blindfold on, right, and, and pretend like you don't know who these people play for, right? So I'm saying University of Pittsburgh and Clemson University, okay? I'm going to read you some stats. Put a blindfold on. Pretend like you don't know who these people are, okay? The season leaders passing. You have quarterback A, who's 97 for 174, 974 yards, four touchdowns, and interceptions. Quarterback B, 143 yards on 205 attempts, 1,934 yards, 21 touchdowns to just one interception. If you didn't know any better, who do you think would have the 21 to 1? Who would you expect if I just wrote? Yeah, well, sure. You I would. I would expect, if you're going to say between Pitt and Clemson, you would think it would be the Clemson quarterback. Yeah, and it's not Pickett. Far away, the better quarterback. Uh, the rushing is a wash here. Uh, not much um, in, in the way of rushing for either team. Um, but you have the leading receiver has one touchdown reception on 18 catches. For Clemson, and the other one has nine touchdown catches on 34 receptions. Like these aren't numbers that Pitt put up in the past since some guy named Larry Fitz something was there. Um, Should have won a Heisman if you ask me, but um, you look at Pitt. Impressive performance offensively. I mean, they they put up points on Tennessee, and seeing what they're doing to the rest of the ACC, and seeing the year that Kenny Pickett's having, it gives a little bit more credibility, I think, to Tennessee, knowing that okay, this wasn't just because we were bad that that we're bad on defense and we were bad at this moment. They've been doing this to everyone they've played against, and they've been impressive. Um, and I really like this Pitt team, and I I really, really, really wouldn't be surprised if they won this game. No, I wouldn't either. I agree. I agree 100% with that. It, like, and it's, it's at Pitt. Too. Yeah, they have a huge advantage at the quarterback position. So stay tuned for that. But um, we're going to jump off here, Craig. Any, any final things you want to add? Anything you want to? Uh, you know, light schedule this this coming week. So uh, I don't know if there would be any um, any opportunity for any other SEC home teams to litter fields because there's not really any marquee matchups. Uh, we'll, we'll see if if Alabama will litter the field if they get a bad call on um, in the Tennessee game. We'll see what happens. Of course, it costs Tennessee two hundred fifty thousand dollars for that. So yeah. You know, it well, is what it is. The, the highly rated. If you tear down the goalposts, it's the same same amount, right? And at two fifty, yeah. I think yeah. I think uh, Kentucky got fined two fifty for when they char you know ran onto the field of the win over Florida. 
I think that was 250 or uh, or LSU won the two. Um, it was $250,000 fine. Exactly. And By they, the I way, think, where did that go, Corey? Where do you think that $250,000 goes? Uh, Sankey's back pocket. Well, I was going to say, and a really nice Christmas party in Birmingham at the SEC headquarters. Mm-hmm. Extra Christmas bonus. Jelly of the Month Club for guys like Jake. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so so three Big Ten teams are back in action this weekend as well. They they uh, All three of them got huge wins over Idle University. Idle University had three teams, apparently. So um, that was good, right? Um, but uh, yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be an interesting week, I think. For it's it's a light week as far as conference games, no marquee matchups. But I think you're gonna see a couple of results and go, okay, this game was a lot more fun than it was on paper. Like maybe Vandy State might actually be an inter- very entertaining game. Um, stay tuned. That might actually be the CBS game this week. Who knows? Um, that's how. No, that will right be now. LSU Ole Miss. I know, I was, yeah. <laughs> a little bit of hyperbole. Well, uh, I, I'm sure I'm sure Steve might want to talk about that on SEC After Dark. So if you want to hear our analysis on that, I, I don't know if he's been talking about it on the podcast or not. Um, but uh, yeah, LSU and Ole Miss—they apparently they play each other this week. I guess I don't know. Um, so that's going to wrap us up, though. Uh, we are the Beast of the East podcast. If you joined in on the chat, I. Do appreciate it. We do appreciate it. If you want to hit that subscribe on YouTube, hit that bell. Um, find us. We are echoing our broadcast. So um, my Windows ninety five is my movement for Windows ninety five is is reaching the entire world. Um, it's reaching across several platforms. So I think I think we're up to what uh, two point two million views across like seventy two platforms, uh, something like that. So you better get on board now. We're uh, I'm getting a phone call from French's Mustard, so we're getting sponsored <laughs> by them. And, and Titleist, I think, is going to jump in uh, for for uh, they especially want a piece of Craig. Yes, so that's good. Um, but yeah, so follow us, rate, subscribe, hit that bell notification, follow us on wherever you, wherever you can find us. You could probably if you just click on the internet, you could probably find us. We might we might have an ad on Google at this point. But uh, anyway, that's going to do it. We are the Beast of the East podcast presented by betonline.ag. However you found us, we appreciate you. We hope you come back. And uh, we hope you have a great rest of your week. Check us out. Uh, check us out every Monday night. Uh, check me out every uh, Wednesday night on uh, SEC After Dark. And as well, on we, we air every Friday morning for um, Believe in Georgia Dogs uh, with Israel Troops. So hit us up on Twitter, uh, Stephen Willis. D. Stephen Willis is a great follow if you haven't followed him already um, at Bert, Coach Burton 36 at Believe in Dogs for me at D. Craig Ladd uh, at One Team One at One Team Media also is, a, is, is one that you may want to follow and follow Troopstar 28. He's he's uh, entertaining as well. So for Craig, I'm Corey Burton. Again, this is the Beast of the East podcast presented by BetOnline.ag on Believe Podcast Network and Willis Digital Media. Have a great rest of your week and an even better weekend, and we'll see you back here next week. So long. Goodbye. Goodbye.
For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.